Oh, it's podcast 35 from Football Anya. I'm Michael Statham and I've got fellow writer James Rowe with me today to discuss the latest Dutch football news, including the first Netherlands squad selection of a season and is it the same old story for Dutch clubs in Europe? You can listen to and download us on YouTube, iTunes and Soundcloud. Yeah, James, how are you uh, this afternoon? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, great. Uh, really excited the next weekend. We're going to be meeting up, aren't we, James? Uh, our next podcast will be live from Amsterdam. Yeah, second podcast on location, which will be very nice. Next time I'll have to get you a match ball. We we should start this week talking about Dutch clubs in Europe. It's been hitting the headlines quite a lot in the Netherlands. We're down to only two teams out of five that qualify for European competition. Ajax uh, got through to the playoff round of a Champions League. PSV are already there, thanks to winning the title. Um, but Feyenoord, Vitesse and RZ have all now been knocked out in the Europa League qualifiers. Starting with a question from Abdul to really um, get things started. It happens many times before when uh, Dutch clubs lose against low standard teams in the Europa League. But why? Why is this happening again to Dutch clubs in Europe? Why have we seen three good teams being knocked out? And poorly so as well. Um, I doesn't My immediate answer is not just uh, regarding Dutch teams. It, if you look at the, the recent Europa League and Champions League results, you'll see many a eye-raising result which nobody expected. Basically, the last 10 years, uh, smaller clubs have, have gained more professionalism, more determination, more organisation. So when they come up against more seasons of, seasoned opponents from bigger leagues, they're no longer afraid, they're no longer scared, and they take the game to them. And more often than not, it's proving to be very, very good results. I was fortunate enough to interview uh, Joey Slegers from uh, Drenzen, uh before the first leg of the match against Feyenoord. And he was telling me about the uh, the confidence they have that they're really looking forward to it, and they're not going there thinking that they that they can't get a positive result, and and they manage to get one, and it's highly likely that they'll go on to uh, to play um, to play in the Europa League group stage now, and uh, you know clubs are getting more and more confident when when coming up against seasoned teams, and it's nice to see new faces as well qualifying for competitions. It's uh, when you you look at the Champions League now being a bit more. Uh, monotonous and predictable in terms of the same fixtures almost every season you get to a point where that's no longer enjoyable so uh, although it's difficult pill for the Dutch teams to swallow it's uh, it's not just an epidemic here in the Netherlands it's happening all over Europe they've been embarrassed um ours ever embarrassed against uh Kaid up from Kazakhstan Vitesse battled really hard I think Leonard Slutsky's got them uh really well uh set up in their formation I think he's got some really good nice players uh Matthews Bello is an attacking midfielder um a good signing to add to what they've already got there and they only lost 2-0 on aggregate to Basel um and they weren't helped with refereeing decisions a red card um and a, a poor decision for the first goal as well so you know it's it hasn't helped uh, the test but I suppose they come up against tough opposition in Basel whereas final Nazar haven't really got many excuses and even though yes they did come up against opposition that were fired up and eager to play in the night they simply must be putting these teams away over two legs don't you agree yeah but also if you look in the case of Vitesse the second leg was away and I think that is really decisive I think that's, that's you know if I'm Finkel scoring a very important goal in the first leg against his old club when you play these knockout games over two legs where the second leg is it's becoming more and more decisive and also the fact that they still haven't scrapped the away goal the away goal was brought in in the 70s to encourage attacking play in European matches 
and it's just become so decisive now where teams uh, teams don't want to concede away away goals and that's a, a starting point for some when, when it really should be are we going out to win this game to try to get to the next round yeah a, a couple of questions from Alex Almaty he asks about uh, do you think some Dutch clubs especially for tests were avoiding to qualify for the Europa League was there a lack of effort from Dutch clubs in in the qualifying no, I don't think so at all. I mean, I said Harvard ambitions of reaching the knockout phases of this competition. Feyenoord wanted to use it as a springboard to show that they've learnt from the Champions from their recent Champions League uh, campaign. I'm sure Slutsky also wanted to um, to get off to a good start in a European sense with his career here in the Netherlands. He's come to the Netherlands in his by his own admission to start his career in Europe, and he wants to um, he wants to do the best he can. But I think they just uh, I think it was just a touch of uh, of naivety regarding um, regarding opponents and also you know a bit of bad luck as well and it's just you, you've got to be so careful now it's, this is a world game there are no easy games at European level and this needs to be shouted from the rooftops that you know you've got to be on the money uh, all the time in Europe home and away you've got to treat everybody with respect you've got to really go for it and you've got to really deserve your place in the next round of the tournament I think uh, what some people maybe uh, haven't thought of, though, is that it's not actually because Dutch teams aren't as good as people maybe sometimes make them out to be. Dutch teams do have good quality. Feyenoord are a good team. I think what we saw in, in these qualifying matches, though, was a, a culmination of events. Feyenoord not only lost to Trenchen that week, they also lost to the Kraftsup, a new promoter team in the area de Pizzi, and well-beaten as well. 2-0, um, it was a very poor performance. Final did miss some chances. They've had load of, load of players injured, suspended. It hasn't been easy for them, in, just in general, to be honest, hasn't it, recently? And I think that in the Europa League, that, that showed even more. Tension were fired up. A trip to Slovakia is not um, the, the, the first thing you want to do when you're not having a good week. Um, but how, how about Jovan Bronckhorst? He's had these kind of spells before in charge of a club. He went one time losing six games in a row, I believe, uh, the season before they won the league. And then when they won the league, they won many games in a row, nine games in a row then. So what's it like with him being a manager? Do, do you still think that he can pull another, another one out of the bag? Final beat Excelsior 3-0 uh, today. Um, are they again on return? Are they going to now hit some positive results? It's possible, but I think he would have wanted to extend the European run, as you mentioned about the the winning, the losing run they had the season before they won the league. It was actually seven games, and um, I think the pressure is on him uh, to win a, to win something this year. You know, there's um, they've got aspirations to build a new stadium. Final, they're looking at a regeneration of the club. They want the club to improve even more. They want to uh, they want to become uh, even more powerful in a domestic sense. So I think the pressure is on him to win something this season in order to keep hold of his job long term. But um, you know he's won um, won the uh, winning the Dutch cups and um, winning the Eredivisie title for the first time in 18 years. He's, he's bought himself a lot of credit and an awful lot of time. But I think um, this European um, disappointment it will be difficult for them to put put behind him in the short term. But I think uh, around about October, November time they'll start to turn up again and uh, and maybe go on to have a decent season still. Yeah, I too think they've I've got a bit of faith in final to pull it out of the bag and turn their season around. Um, Van Bronckhorst has won five prizes in in four years, and that's outstanding when you consider where the club were before he arrived. Um, I mean, only ten years ago we were seeing 
a very young uh, Gigi Wijnaldum starting for Feyenoord as they were finishing in, in mid-table that season. A 10-0 defeat to PSV. Ten years later now, look at them. They're back at the, the top of the Dutch game. And in Europe, next season, they've really got to go for it and, and qualify for the European competition again. Uh, let's let's have a quick look at the opposition, though. Substantion. Maybe we're playing them down. Maybe we're saying that they're not, you know, they're not maybe a good team. They're low, low in quality. An interview with um, Joey Slayhurs uh, the other week, he said that in a response to a question, you know, where would Trenchin finish if they were in the area de Vizier? And he said, oh, I think we'd finish in the top half. He thinks his team are a good team. And, and fair enough, why not? Um, Ricardo Moniz is a manager. And we had a question about uh, who who is he? You know, who is he a good manager? What do you think about his work in Slovakia? He's really coming into his own. You know, he's had he's had stints at uh, at Tottenham Hotspur as a skills coach, and the same as uh, Feyenoord as well with skills and being assistant coach as well, and spells with FC Eindhoven and Nalanders in Denmark and uh, 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 Fenerbahce in Hungary. He's really coming into his own now as a manager, and um, I think that if he continues to have a good season where Tenzin qualify for the for the Europa League. I think he will do his reputation no harm at all. And I would not be surprised. I know it's still very early, but I would not be surprised if we see him managing uh, in the Eredivisie in, in, in future seasons. All right, James. So we had a good conversation about um, some of the failures in, in Europe this past couple of weeks. But how about uh, Ajax getting through to the last round of the Champions League qualifiers? They're guaranteed uh, Europa League group stage football even before that tie. Um, but... Didn't they play play well against Under Liège? A two-two draw away from home and a three-nil um, pummeling at home, I should say. Under Liège barely took the ball out of their own half in in the first half. Uh, we saw some really good performances from Dusan Tadic, uh, Hakim Ziyech, even Huntelaar was on form, uh, finding some good finishes. What did you make of their performances? Well, I thought it was a very good win, considering they were two-nil up in the uh, in the first leg and. Uh... And went on to draw 2-2 and disappointment could have dominated to come back and win the second leg 3-0. And I give them a, a, a very good chance of qualifying uh, for the Champions League group stage. Same goes for PSV as well. I think both Dutch sides have got winnable ties. I think the crux will be the second leg for um, for Ajax in Kiev, whereas PSV play at home in the second leg. So that will be their advantage. But I think that both teams will qualify for the Europa League uh, for the Champions League group stage. And it will be a real shot in the arm because you know it's uh, it's long over long time since both qualified. I I too hope that happens, James. Uh, Ajax can beat anyone on their day. We've seen that, but they can also lose to anyone on their day, uh, or when it's not their day. We saw that against Heracles at home, a one-one draw, a scrape to lucky penalty win, a one-nil over VVV this weekend. But when they play in the Champions League, it's the big occasion. The players come to the fore when they're needed. And they do pull out these fantastic performances. They just need to translate that to a league campaign. And um, in my opinion, they'll comfortably win the league if they can do that. Um, but so far, we haven't seen that. And they have been a little bit fortunate in their league matches. A uh, question from Kevin. Why have uh, Andre Anana and especially Hakim Ziyech not left Ajax yet? Seems certain that they would have been uh, nearing the end of last season. I think they both perhaps being choosy with their uh, possibilities and where they would actually go and I think that's a very good I think that's a very good sign um Ziyech when he was at FC Twente famously turned down Sampdoria there were um he was muted to be going to Roma this season but I think it's a case of um the club waiting for the right offer in terms of the money being paid 
and also the player waiting for the right club. And I think that's a very sensible decision from a player's point of view. Yeah, Justin Talic said this week about Hakim Ziyech, you know, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing um, on the pitch and off the pitch. If he wants to move, he'll get the right move that he wants and it feels it's right for him. Good point about Twente when he was there. He was really choosy about um, leaving the club and he did want to leave Twente, but the, the right club just wasn't coming along for him. And to say now at Ajax, I feel like he's a few suitors short though. Roma did come in, but then went cold on it all. And I really feel for him because he does deserve um, a big move to play for an even bigger club than Ajax, but it just hasn't quite come along yet. As for Andre Anana, I feel like he's not allowed to leave now that the chance of winners close in England and is closing around Europe. Um, I think could be hard-pressed to find a replacement at this point. I think Ericsson Haag has now said, put his foot down and said no more players are leaving our club at this stage of the summer. I think it's, um, it's going to be very interesting. You know, Obviously, the English window is shutting earlier than, uh, than usual and uh, in other moves being muted. But... Um, you know, hopefully it will die down a bit because I, I just think that the 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 fever of who did you buy, who did you buy, buying this one, buying that one, you know, it's, um, it appears in some cases, Michael, that some fans are more excited about buying and selling than the actual football that goes on on the pitch. And that, yeah. that's a bit disappointing for me. OK, James, let's let's move on and talk more, a bit more about the Dutch national team. It's getting exciting. We're, national team football is nearly back and we get to see the Netherlands play again after missing them throughout the whole of the World Cup. They've got a game in September against Peru and there's a few rumours already about who may be picked for the squad, who may not. Um, and we had a few questions in about who could be in the squad and whether they deserve to be. Um, first one is from William and he, he wonders whether Ronald Koeman should start making Frankie de Jong at Ajax an automatic choice in midfield for the starting eleven, Do you agree with that, James? Is he ready yet, or does he need a bit more time on the outskirts? Um, I think he needs a bit more time. If you look at the upcoming competitive matches against world champions France and Germany, could come a little bit too soon. But this game is, um, is, in this, is due to Wesley Schneider's 134th and last farewell Dutch international. So it should be a, should be a positive party and positive, uh, positive match. be interesting to see uh, a South American team come to Amsterdam and, uh, and show their worth. I'm actually going to be attending the match, so I'm looking forward to see what, uh, seeing what Peru are all about. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who he picks. I hope that he mixes it up a bit, you know... Um, for example, Martin Deron and uh, Hans Harterboer at Atalanta. Atalanta appear to be in fantastic form. OK, it's only the Europa League qualifiers, but they are demolishing some opponents and that can only be a good thing. Uh, football and your readers and listeners will know about my respect and uh, how highly I regard Brian Linson. Considering this is a farewell-friendly game where it's just basically a, to see off one of the greatest players and the most capped player in Dutch national football team history, um, why wouldn't you bring him into the fold? He's been so important for Vitesse last season, this season as well in terms of Europe. And he can be a very important player. And OK, he doesn't necessarily play for the um, for the, one of the top three teams, doesn't play for a season's European team, but he's got qualities. And if like with Den Denzel Dumfries at PSV, he also started the, started the, uh, the season really well. To give Koeman would be doing himself a massive favour not to do, not to disregard these players and if he was to pick the likes of uh, Dumfries or Linson for friendly games and to ease them in 
it will give the majority of, of other young Dutch players in the league a, a real incentive to know that they are in the frame to eventually be capped. And I think it will build up the the character and resistance of the national team going forward. Yeah, two, two good picks there. Linton and Dumfries must surely be in, um, in Koeman's thoughts into picking this, this squad. Uh, Frank de Jong, in my opinion, should certainly be in the squad and start to think about making minutes in the pitch. But as for starting in the midfield, he is what the Netherlands need going forward. He's that midfielder that's needed in the sixth position. I think it comes a bit early for him. As you say, James, the games against Germany and France will be a bit too early for him uh, at that level. I do think for now, with the five at the back as well, um, it is made so that the Netherlands don't have to play a defensive midfielder and they can play those more creative midfielders in front of the back five. Um, so not having to track back as much. Uh, so it kind of suits at the moment. At the moment, they don't have a defensive midfielder. And on inform, Kevin Stoddartman is the perfect option, but we haven't seen that in a while. Um, a question now from someone who hasn't sent in a question ever before to us. Um, so his Twitter handle is to Rob Innesings. I'm going to call him Rob. Uh, should Arno Honeveld be in the Netherlands squad? Honeveld plays for Club Bruges. He moved to them after a really good season with NEC Nijmegen and originally comes from the PSV Youth Academy. Um, James, what, what are your thoughts on, on Honeveld? Is he likely to be picked? Um, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's, he's in the frame. But it's, def- it's definitely something about him going forward. You know, he's had a very good se- he had a very good season at NSA, made his name at NSA, as you say, and got that move to Belgium. And I think, you know, it, it, it's green shoots coming up now when names are being mentioned, which is which is a really good thing. Young name, young names are being mentioned. It gives Kuman more scope to in order when picking his squad. And this is something that the national team has lacked in terms of structure in previous years, especially with the uh, with how messy it was behind the scenes. And I think he will eventually be be brought into the fold. But I think Kuma will be looking to build the house brick by brick and becoming more competitive. And when I look at the squad at the moment, and you have uh, Stefan de Frey and you have Matthijs de Ligt and Martin de Roon and David Brupper and Promes, this is a good base upon which to go forward and build. And if you can build young players alongside this step by step, it will help the national team going forward. But I think, as in the case of, um, as we just spoke about with Frenkie de Jong, I think it might just be a little bit too early. Mm, yeah, I think it'll be a bit too early too. I think he's a very good year in Belgium to really get into Koeman's thoughts. Uh, and finally, Abdul asks, Stephen Bergfein and Jodit Hendricks, two players from PSV, can they be selected by Ronald Koeman? They can be. Uh, Bergwijn is uh, is a tremendous talent and uh, it won't be too long before he's a regular in the squad. I interviewed uh, Jodit Koeman for Football Annual back in March this, this year, uh, back in February, sorry. And uh, we were talking about Bergwijn because Schumann played for him at uh, with him at uh, under seventeen level, and he said his his pace is electric and he's the best play- He was the best player that he's played alongside so far in his career, and um, yeah, I think Bergwijn will be a main uh, mainstay going forward. And uh, you know he, he, his presence in the dressing room as well. I saw that uh, he stated that in the case of his um, the working relationship he has with Denzel Dumfries. It's like they've been playing together. He gave a recent interview where he said that it's like they've been playing together for three years when it's only really been a very short space of time. So in the case of uh, Bergwijn, I think he's uh, 
I think he's got a solid future being involved in the um, in the Dutch national team. As Hendricks, I think he may be calling to to squads to to fill in in terms of manpower. But I, I think in the case of those two, Bergwijn has the chance to accrue uh, uh, many caps going forward in the future. Uh, as my opinion, I think Jorrit Hendricks isn't uh, Netherlands quality. Uh, he is a good player, a good player for PSV. Um, but I'm not sure he's the answer going forward in midfield. Steven Bergwijn, a player that a couple of years ago frustrated me, perhaps didn't get the minutes, the opportunities that he deserved at PSV under Philip Koku. He was always a little bit apprehensive to play some younger players, but um, Berkvine, he he's finally fulfilling his potential. Last season, he was terrific. This season, he looks like he's going to be even better. A man who can be relied upon as well in attack. Um, but when he first came through, there was so much promise, which he never quite lived up to, but now he's really pushing on. I'm so happy to see that. And I, yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll be in the squads um, all of this year and, and going on forwards after that. Okay, so th those are some of the options on the edge of the Netherlands squad um, and we look forward to seeing some new names in the selection. Finally James, Eredivisie is back and we've had two match match rounds uh, at the time of this podcast. What have you made of the first couple of weeks? Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I've always enjoyed it. I've been uh, watching the league first hands for more than a decade. I thought Nakbeda had a very good result yesterday against the Kharskab and I think that we'll see them, um, we'll see them push on in the coming weeks. Um, a decent result for RZ today, uh, four one away at Emmen, and uh, I must give a a, a shout out to um, Fortuna Sittard, who were very unlucky not to get a point at home to PSV last night, conceding a goal in stoppage time. And it's a long old season, as we know too well. You know, it's an acquired taste this league, but I think um, I think we're going to see many a twist and turn ahead, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, nice little recap of the first couple of weeks there. Um, and notably, RZ are top of the table after two matches uh, because of their goal difference, a 5-0 win against Nak Breda and a 4-1 win at FC Emmen today. So, a good start for them. I think they played two of the weak teams in the league. Um, but how, how about how about Feyenoord? They're, we've talked about them already a little bit in this podcast. Um, with, with the likes of RZ and Vitesse, already looking quite good so far this season pushing for top three they both have ambitions to break into it again our final the losers out of out of the top three psv Ajax look strong and uh likely to go for the title a final gonna stick around i think that final will complete the top three i mean I, I said before the start of the season they'll finish second i'm not gonna uh switch from my predictions after only two rounds uh football only listeners know what they were and your predictions and mike mike's predictions too i, I, I certainly won't be switching from them um, I think they will. Um, I think the top three will be the traditional top three. Uh, I think, yeah. I, and I still think final will go on to have a good season. A warning signs for Ardo Den Haag. I think with uh, losing both their uh, their opening games to Emmen and Heracles, I think that's uh, warning signs for them. And uh, yeah, Willem Trey with a timely win, Groningen bottom of the league. Um, I had a discussion with uh, with Mike on Twitter the other day where the step up between. Um, the Dutch uh, Dutch second division and the Eredivisie for Danny Bels might little might be a bridge too far. Uh, Michael also mentioned about the lack of investment possibly at Groningen, but um, as we've spoken to before, you know here in the Netherlands, if your books don't if your books don't match and they're not in order, you are monitored by the Dutch FA in terms of your outgoings and not living beyond your means. 
and in terms of real contracts being offered for real money and contracts that need to be honoured, I think clubs are just being very, very um, shrewd and very, very careful with the contracts they give out. You know, whereas if you compare that to the Premier League, where clubs are giving out money, astronomical amounts of money, but yet three of them will get relegated and that will have ramifications for them. Whereas here, you know, the the healthiness and the, the fairness of the club and making sure the club is solvent is very important. And I think that particularly the Premier League could take a, a big leak a big leaf out of the Eredivisie book in that respect. Uh, yeah, no, a good point. The, there isn't a lot of money flitting around in the league. Um, and that's because most of the time the money goes back into the youth team. So you see that all the time with Isaac Altmar. Um, terrific effort from them and their club to get bigger, but the right way. Um, one of, one of my n notable uh, starts of the season was Hedekli Damolo. I gave him no chance to start the season. Uh, as you said, James, my bottom three. But yeah, no, they a really good point at Ajax and put Arlington Hark to bed. 4-2 win. What I have noticed is that I always play down their, their summer signings, but only one of them has actually been in there starting 11, or, or two, sorry, I should say. Uh, Dal Mal, uh, the striker, and uh, Blasfish, the goalkeeper. But they've both been decent so far uh the strike got there his first goal today for the club and um yeah the last winning goal hasn't been too bad uh but a lot of other other players are still that that same starting 11 from last season um so you know the new manager's come in there and done a decent job um question from cam to, to end this podcast a really interesting question that i'm sure some people do think about quite a lot when it comes to dutch football and comparing it to other leagues he, he asked us if Ajax Final and PSV win the Premier League with their current squads, where on the table would they finish? So, as a reaction to that, on Twitter we put on a poll and we asked uh, our followers to choose where they think they would come. Uh, PSV, the Eredivisie champions, if they were to play this season in the English Premier League. And the results were very, very interesting indeed. And I wonder what you thought about this, James. So, 10% uh, chose... PSV is finishing in the top six of the league. Interesting. Among the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, Man City. Uh, 41% said that PSV would finish between 7th and 10th position. 38% said between 10th and 17th position. And 11% said they would be relegated. Very interesting statistics and in that around about the same amount of people suggested the top six is getting relegated. And around about the same amount of people said top half to the bottom half 51 percent said they finished top half 49 percent in the bottom half so no one really knows do they james no one's really got um a strong idea where they're going to finish but um the winning the winning choice was seventh tenth pierce we have got some very good players you've got you know the likes of lazano that were scouted by arsenal this summer um keeping jeroen zutter and netherlands international but at the same time luke de Jong, who couldn't hit the back of a barn door when he played for newcastle united in the premier league so it swings around about with that team and just how they cope in the English Premier League is, is too hard to say. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. But I think if people are in a situation now where they love to compare, they love to compare teams and leagues yeah. and, and, and players and abilities. And I always advocate just accept it for what it is. We, uh, having done this podcast for many years, we... Um, we all know that the Eredivisie is an acquired taste. It's not everybody's taste, but it's an acquired taste. And when you understand what goes on in this league, um, it can be it can be a very good watch. I think um, 
I think a lot of people like to make presumptions that if you're the top scorer in the Netherlands and you go to England or France or Germany, it doesn't mean that you're going to be uh, that you're going to be uh, world class. But you've got to remember, we've had t we've had players in this league such as Romario, Ronaldo, Van Nistelrooy. You know, these are, are world class strikers that have played in this league. Arjen Robben was uh, started out in this league. You know, and there are some um, great players to fa uh, to find. I just think that. With the commercialism as well, and, and, and the way the Premier League, for example, it seems to be a horse which is completely out on its own at the minute in terms of clubs spending vast amounts of money, but yet three of them are still going to be relegated. I mean, you see today Huddersfield Town spending 20 million euros on Congolo. They got beat 6-1 by the reigning champions. And uh, their goal difference already is minus seven. And it's going to be a long, hard season for Huddersfield. And you see in the case of Fulham, Fulham played um, a, a championship final against your team. I'm, I'm not saying it to be awkward or to rile you up at all, uh, uh, Michael, but they they won a one-off game on a neutral ground to get promoted and have gone on to spend in excess of £100 million. And it's just, uh, sometimes it just beggars belief, but you would hope that there will be ramifications eventually. Uh, not that clubs go bust or anything, but as I've said before, you know, if the Premier League could take a leaf out of the Dutch FA's book where the clubs are put into financial categories and they have to present their books to the Dutch FA every single year. And if they don't match, if they don't match and if they don't add up, they're threatened with sanctions. So the F Dutch FA are trying to help the clubs remain solvent and help the clubs to remain in business. Yeah, see, right. Um, there's far too much money flying out about the Premier League nowadays. Of course, it's easy to say our PSV would finish top half. But then, you know, if they were in the Premier League, they'd have all this extra money as well on top. Um, you know, there's yeah. two things to think about. It's the same argument when everyone talks about Celtic being in the Premier League. But of course, they don't have the, the riches of the Premier League to, to be able to compare that. So, hard to say. And also, if you think of last night, PSV um, Benning Champions went away to newly promoted Sittard and very just about came away with a win. Um, you know that's akin that's akin to um, a high flying Premier League club going away to the to the one of the lowest ranked teams in the league and and barely scraping a win. So it swings and roundabouts. I think you know I can understand why people do it, but I think they should just learn to to love and respect and accept leagues for what they are and also enjoy them a little bit more, perhaps. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, enjoy the league, love it because it is what it is. James, thank you very much for today. Um, and a very good podcast indeed and I look forward to seeing you next week for an even better live one yeah, look forward to the third uh, live uh, podcast on location and the second one in Amsterdam yes <laughs>